Hello, welcome back to the In and Around podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is sports media's number one, number one, Joel Linton correspondent. It's Mr. Mike Breslin. Hello. And to his left on the computer screen, he is the Mosley Marauder, crashing cars and hitting bars. It's Mr. David Harris. Part of that's not true, Will, but I'll just run yeah. with it. Uh, Dave, Dave, known for being sober. Um. Anyway... <laughs> Coming back at you. Well, we're completely thrown off our schedule, haven't we? Um, yep. Quarterfinals are over. The Blue Harbour boys carry on. Get your gift cards ready for Gareth because he wants them. He needs a new uh, waistcoat. He's gone skinny tie, lads. Have you noticed? He's gone skinny Where tie. Where has the waistcoats gone? That's, I think, that's what I need to know. So, obviously, I'm subscribed. We're all, I think we're all subscribers to The Athletic on this podcast. And Actually, what while we're talking about The Athletic. Okay, here we go. Right, I signed up for an account, and I, they've been taking my money for months. Yeah, <laughs> I can't read. get into this account. Oh, I haven't like, even so read one for I months. I keep emailing them, emailing them, and uh, customer services keep telling me to change my password. So I do that, and then I log in, and it's a uh, says start your free trial. I'm like, no, I'm supposed to have a subscription, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so well, I didn't realise it was that sort of. And I scenario. can't even read them. I didn't know that. I didn't know Great. that either, mate. I didn't think it was ongoing. I thought, I thought you'd resolved it a long time so, ago. If anyone is listening from the Athletic, and one would like to sponsor us, and two would like to help me out with my account, then uh, yeah, please get in contact with us. Anyway, what I would like from them, more than perhaps Mike getting uh, access to his account, is a deep dive on what the fashion choices for each of the four semi-finalist managers means for the way they're playing. Because I'll tell you what, Southgate's moved away from the, the waistcoat and he's, he's just changed his whole his whole outlook on things, hasn't he? What a boy. Flip the switch. Yeah. I mean, two tournaments, two semi-finals. I yeah. Can't argue I mean, with that record. Buzzing. It, it might be coming home, everybody. It actually Ooh. might be. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's an early call, but it's the right. <laughs> I think uh, I think we should probably start with England Ukraine, shouldn't we? Um, yeah. Uh, we let everyone wait till the end last time. So we we'll did, we did, we did. We did, yeah, we did. Would you want to start with England or the Ukraine? Let's start with England. Okay, let's start with. No, I've not got much to say about. In fact, let's start with the Ukraine. Okay, we can do that pretty quickly. Yeah, because let me tell you, Mike, I haven't seen such a, a such a disaster from a Ukrainian since 26th of April 1986. I knew um, that was the reference, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, honestly, I'll tell you what, Mike. This certainly wasn't the only meltdown in the Ukraine, was it? Oh, I love that. Well, <laughs> no, seriously, a lot of people died. Um, but what did you make of the Ukrainian performance? <laughs> Hopefully not on the pitch last night. Um, they were not good, were they? They were not good. Um, we obviously went into this game knowing England were the, the better team on paper, but expecting the Ukraine to put up some sort of a fight. Uh, they, I mean, they really didn't. Obviously, the early goal helps a lot from Kane. Uh, yeah, massively. Totally changes the, the, the game, but... Other than really a 10-minute spell towards the end of the first half, they really didn't offer, offer a lot at all. I, I know we all watched it together, 
Uh, and I, I was saying, if we can't beat this Ukraine side, we might as well just pack our bags because yeah. they, they were not good. I, I don't think Zinchenko in, in central midfield worked at all mm. um, amongst other things that really didn't work for them. But yeah, not great on their part. Yeah, it was it was weird, Dave, because they obviously they they looked tidy in the games they played before, but yeah. obviously they had a really like a marathon sprint against um oh but they play Sweden they played for 120 yeah, Sweden minutes. so obviously they were they've been doing a bit more travelling. Do you think fitness played in a part? Uh yeah, I think definitely. Given that game was was Tuesday as well, wasn't it? They were yes, their 8pm kickoff on Tuesday. Yeah. Play 120 minutes and then on the Saturday have to play again. Uh, it definitely would have affected the the fitness, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you can really give them all a sort of buy because of that, but I, I think it was definitely a factor, but I think their actual performance let them down. I don't think it was a case that the perhaps exhaust exhaustion was like the thing that lost them this game. I just don't think they really ever got going or got into the game. Maybe to be fair, before after the first goal up to half time they actually sort of did start to settle into the game, but second half they were just anonymous really. I was going to say, with Ukraine, we don't really know which side the real Ukraine is because they played pretty well against Sweden. But they were horrendous in the game against Austria in the group. I don't know if you mm. watched that one. They were awful in that game. And then, but yeah, they turned up against England. They weren't really great either. But, I mean, fair play that getting this far, was it the furthest they'd been ever, maybe? Or something like that, I don't know. But I, it feels like a fairly good achievement to get to where they got to and they were beaten by a better team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just games that matters massively, doesn't it, though? For a t- particularly when you look at... We've we've said before that three at the back isn't necessarily a defensive formation. Depends on how you play it. But watching Ukraine and the way they have been playing, playing at 3-5-2, they, it, they do tend to go a bit more defensive and to concede early to Harry Kane look like it knocked the stuffing out of them. Yeah, that, I mean, that is a big blow. You set up to play the game in, in one way and, and in three and a half minutes, your plan totally changes, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then, you, well, you're supposed to, I guess, start chasing the game, but you haven't even got into the game, really, at that point. Mm. So that was, a, that was a tough break. Um, and the kind of a similar thing happened to the Czech Republic in the game before that we'll talk about. Obviously, Denmark got an early goal as well, but... yeah. It does, it does change, obviously goals change games, we know this, but um, yeah, I don't think, I mean, the, some of the defending for the Henderson header from the corner was just... Oh, the, um, the one for me that was really bad, and we'll get on, I mean, I, Luke Shaw had a really good game, well, he had a really good second half, I thought he was shaky for a bit in the first, but... um, For him, yeah, kind of similar to the Germany game. Yeah. Not great in the first half, but good second half. But England's third goal, like, Harry Kane is unmarked for absolutely ages. And just to, to leave a player, to leave any striker unmarked in the box there is is daft. But to leave Harry Kane there 
it, it's crazy. It was absolutely crazy to me. Um, moving on to England, uh, obviously a couple of couple of weird, not well, not weird, but again they did so well in the previous game. Southgate, Southgate, Southgate shifts back to playing that four-two-three-one. Brings in Sancho, brings back Mount. Um, what did you make of the way we were set up? It was, yep. uh, yeah. I was, to be fair, I was glad that he went to the four. I'll be honest. Yeah. I may have said on the last pod that we should match them up, but he didn't do that. Gareth was right again. Let's. He, he got it right again. Um, yeah, the back four looked decent. Walker had a bit of a couple of scary moments again. Rice and Phillips, obviously excellent. And then, yeah, Sancho and Mount coming in. Thought Mount had a good game. Sancho was lively when he got the ball. Um, he doesn't offer quite as much in the press um, as like Saka, for example. So I guess you can get away with a bit more in a game like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously you've got Kane kind of picks himself, especially after his goal the other night. So yeah, I was the Sancho one's probably the only real contentious one, but people have been calling for him to start, so you. Got to give him a go, haven't you? Yeah, Dave. What did you make of Sancho's performance? Um, yeah, I, I was excited to play. To be fair, uh, sort of wanted him to start for a while, um, be given a chance. Um, I thought he was some of his play, like his dribbling and stuff, was was exciting and good. To be honest, some of the way he took people on, drew some fouls. Um, don't know. Maybe you sort of had a personally expected so much for him after wanting waiting to see him start for ages i thought he was good but i didn't think he was like uh yeah i felt like sterling was was maybe better as in he played well but he wasn't you know like man of the match or anything in my opinion but i thought he, he was solid out there and he definitely helped with chance creation and stuff um but at the same time i know saka's injured uh but i didn't think he was particularly any like better than than Saka had been, for example. But I thought he was solid enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing he has over Saka is when you play him wide right, he's got nat- natural width out there. Whereas Saka's looking to come in on his left, which yeah. is fine. But if you if if you're intending to keep Kyle Walker a bit further back, then he plays for a club level mainly because you don't want to see any of his disgusting flat crosses. Um, these things are going to happen. You can't sacrifice the width out there. Mike, with your United hat on, though, for a bit, because obviously they've agreed the deal in principle for Sancho, finally, after like 17 yeah. years. Um, what did, you, did you see anything there that like made you really excited that, oh, that's what we've been missing? There's a couple of uh, take-ons and stuff. Uh, one that I particularly remember, I think, first half, we jinked past two or three. Uh, which was, I mean, that's the sort of thing that you look at. We've obviously, Fernandez has been outrageous, assists, goals, etc. But when he's not playing well, we really struggle to break teams down. That's the sort of thing that it's nice to see as a United fan because it means we might have another option when it comes to trying to break down a low block next mm-hmm. season uh, and a little bit of something different, a uh, bit of genius coming from elsewhere, hopefully. So, yeah. I think the signs were good. It, it probably wasn't his best game uh, that he's ever had, but he's obviously got a lot of talent in there. And that, 
think the signs are decent. Yeah. yeah. Um, 75 million, apparently. United buying the league once again. Um, 50 on Varane's next. I Yeah. Yeah, I'd be happier if it was Varane of a few years ago, but there we are. Um, he's better than Lindelof. <laughs> does any of this matter? Honestly, quickly on United, does any of this matter if the players feeding the ball from midfield are like Tom and, a and Fred? Does any of this matter? Uh, no. No. Okay. Good. Good. We're still not going to win the league. Good. Good. Um, Dave, on another mm-hmm. United man, Luke Shaw. Um, yeah. What, what did you make of this? Because I've I've got a stat for you if you haven't got a stat. Uh. Yes, I I think I have the same stat. Um, Luke Shaw. Yeah, first half I thought he was maybe a little bit. I think shaky's fair. He he didn't look massively settled. Um, like going forward, he was he was okay. Um, however, didn't seem like. It, as good as he had in the Germany game. However, in the second half, I thought he was excellent. Um, sort of, he took a bit of a while to warm up and into the game, it felt like. But once he was there, I'd say he's probably one of our best players on the pitch. Uh, two assists as well, which if uh, you want to take away the uh, stat, Will, go yeah, ahead. Shall I lead you into the stat? Or Will? Dave, please. you've got to do it. It's your second. Okay. It's, uh, it's Dave's stat of the week, and it comes live from Rome. Well, I, I presume this is the same stat Will, Will was thinking of. Luke Shaw in that one half got more assists at Euros than Zinedine, Zinedine Zidane did yeah, in 14 it. appearances. Yeah, that's it. He got oh, one I assist. Thought it was gonna be, I thought it was going to be that Luke Shaw surpassed the amount of assists uh, this tournament as he did in the entirety while he was managed by Jose Mourinho in two and a half years. No, that's good, but it's there's a damn one for me. That Mourinho is going to manage him next season. Actually, fun fact, it was neither of those stats and it was just simply to say that Luke Shaw is in fact 6-1. Um, so, oh, obviously, <laughs> tall bloke, gigantic performance. Brez, what did you think of it? Yeah, his delivery, again, was really good. Obviously, set up the one in the Germany game. Um he, he is quite key going forward, I think it's fair to say, as, as an extra option down the left. Him and Sterling seem to combine pretty well. Um, and he can pick out his man. Obviously, one was from a, a set piece, the other one. He just they never tracked him either for that goal. It's uh, weird. Yeah, I don't know what Ukraine were doing defensively, but if you give him the space, he's going to deliver. Uh, and Kane obviously headed home, who they also didn't mark for that goal. But yeah, I'm a big Luke Shaw fan, to be fair. I think I I found it bizarre that Trippier started the first game, but we've got Shaw (laughs) at left back now. Uh, And yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. And and if he gets injured for whatever reason, Chilwell behind him is also a really good option. Yeah, Um, it it seems like a concerted effort from Southgate almost that Shaw is going forward on that side. Like, because Kyle Walker's sort of hanging back a bit, but sure he's given license to roam. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say that. It seems like one of them's going to go and the other one will stay, but it more often than not seems like it is sure that's, <clears throat> that he trusts to go forward. Maybe it's because of the, that Walker plays as the right centre-back in the back three. He prefers Walker to sit and sure to go. I don't know. Might be because Walker's delivery is worse than um, Hermes, so they are. Um... 
Dave, Harry, that goal for Harry Kane in the Germany game um, seems to have set him up to find a bit. Yeah, yeah, he looked far more like himself in this game. Uh, what we were expecting in the group, basically. I think, yeah, I think it was the whole psychology of of am I going to score? And now he has scored. He doesn't have to worry so much. He's not like overcompensating, trying to get his first goal of the tournament. I think he was far more relaxed in this game. Um, I thought that was quite clear with the way he was playing. Like he was playing well, but he wasn't going like too far, which I felt in the group, especially the game against Czech and also in Germany for most of the game, he was like basically like coming too deep for the ball and not sticking to probably what he was what they wanted him to do because he was trying so so hard to prove himself and and perform but yeah last last night i thought he was yeah top really 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 good performance he looks fit he looks fit again which he hasn't for the last i mean i i, I imagine that's what confidence has done for him to yeah. be honest you get the goal suddenly you're finding the right positions again and you you can finish them off as well well, I thought he looked better in, as opposed to Germany, where at times he looked a little isolated right up until the moment where he scored the goal. I thought that the having the addition of Mount behind him as well and ma- making forward runs along with the two guys out the wings who are probably, Sterling certainly very quick and Sancho's no slouch either, but making those runs in behind meant that this whole tactic we've sort of had of idea of the tournament started that he was going to do what he does for Tottenham and almost play as a quasi 10 he was allowed to do that a bit more and it helped that the Ukraine marking was just shocking but you just got to take advantage of those things and they did take advantage of those things they definitely did yeah they found their way to goal and uh, Kane is probably got the best chance for the golden boot now of the people that are left in maybe Kane's on three is he five for the for Schick and Ronaldo yeah, yeah, it's a good point, it's a good point. Um, so, I think we've kind of lamented a little bit about how passive England have been in prior group games, even as they've won, particularly in, like, um, you look in you look in the Croatia game, for example, where they sat sat back and they, they didn't engage high up the pitch, but they engaged in the middle bit. And then, likewise, with some of the later games, marked difference in this one, Brez, in that England were winning the ball back much higher did you do you think that's a kind of something we're going to see more of now? We're sort of playing, going to end up playing a few of the better teams that sort of save up that intensity to really go for it near the end. Yeah, I think it'll be a similar formula to the Germany game going forward. Where, oh, okay. Where you feel them out, see you work out how you can get at them, and then uh, I th- I think that's the way Gareth thinks England are going to do the best. Yeah. Uh, it will be interesting to see how the Denmark one plays out and whether we can get through that or not. Because I think Denmark are actually a really good side. I think they're good, yeah. They're going to be solid. And that should be, that'll be that be an interesting tactical battle, I think. I, I'm not sure whether Gareth will go back to the, the three or stick with the four. Be interesting. Um, Denmark do play three as well. So, but so did Ukraine. And he didn't match the Ukraine, so... They do, they do. But you can out, particularly if you're playing a two in the midfield. You, Arsene Wenger used to do it to Conte's Chelsea. He just used to outnumber them in midfield, and that's how he beat them. Um, that all said, Dave, I think 
obviously a lot's been made of England having a, a far better squad than a lot of other players in the tournament. How do you make like the management of the squad? Like we just talked about the intensity going up, but obviously Sancho comes in for his first start. Grealish was rested, and yeah. as, aside from Chilwell and Cody, I think. Most of the others have had, played. have had minutes. So what do you make mm-hmm. of the kind of management of the squad and keeping people fresh? Yeah, I think his management of the squad's been been good, to be honest. Um, I mean, when you could argue maybe that last night he could have played, for example, Chilwell and James instead of Walker and, and Shaw for fitness. But Walker and Shaw have both been great. So, I, I mean, as... Okay, maybe um, not Walker. Maybe not Walker, but sure. You can't go resting people from the start. I'm, I'm not, not in a quarterfinal. No, no, but that, that's, what, that's what I mean. I'm like, you've got to keep your form players and players that have done fine. I mean, people were saying, you know, Rice and Phillips should be rested because of their yellows, whatever. At the end of the day, they're playing in midfield, in a holding midfield, basically, that hasn't conceded any goals. Why would you change that? Like, I, he's... Again, I, I would not be resting those two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's managing the squad well because clearly yesterday it got to around 55, 60 minutes. He took Rice off, not only could just because of his yellow, but also I think you could tell Rice was starting to get a bit tired. But he, you know, brought players on like Rashford. He just, I think his subs most of the time are spot on. Um, and even tactically against Germany, Obviously, bought on Grealish, which changed it tactically, but also taking off Saka allowed Saka to be rested. Unfortunately, he still got injured, but it's one of those where I think that he's managing the squad as well as he can do. Like you can't, you can't not start someone because you think they need a rest in this sort of football. If, as long as they're playing well, you only really take someone out of starting eleven if they get injured or if they have a really, really bad performance. I don't think any of that's really happened so far for anyone that's been in starting elevens. Um, I mean, you could argue that with Kane, admittedly, but obviously Kane since has done really well. So clearly Southgate's faith in him has, has been rewarded. So personally, I think he's handling the squad as well as you can do in this sort of scenario with the the games and how frequent they are. I'm not sure you ever dropped Kane. No. Even if he's playing terrible, which he was, to be fair, the first couple of games, I'm still not sure. But Dominic Calvert Lewin's behind him, so good player. But I'm just not sure. He, Kane can make a, a goal where you know he's he just scores. <laughs> At it's some point, he was going to start scoring. Yeah, he's 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 a, he is a really good player. Um, so obviously Southgate looks to be set to get a new contract. Mm-hmm. Any, I mean, two back-to-back semi-finals in the tournaments. You can't really quibble with that, can you? No, I don't think so. Not, I mean, when you know, as we've grown up, most of the time of England, we're just happy if they make the knockouts. <laughs> Let's be honest. And no, this guy's taking them to back-to-back semis. I wouldn't say we're we're happy with them making the knockouts. Yeah, but that's what we're no, used to. Yeah, we're used to it, but we're never happy with it. We're relentlessly yeah, okay, fine, disappointed fine, in fine. England. But yeah, you can't. Yeah. Two semi-finals back to back. You really can't ask for more than that. Mm. I, I mean, no one. As much as we all joke about it's coming home, from the start of tournaments, none of us actually think that we're guaranteed to be in the final or guaranteed to win. So the fact he's even getting us far enough where 
we can start to think we might actually win the whole thing. Hats off to him. You can't you can't ask for any more than that from an international manager. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, anyway. I don't, I don't see what more he could have done to earn a new contract. So fair enough. I think that's that's fair. There we How go. How long is it for? That's the only. Ten years. <laughs> the Arm Park seven year contract. Eight, you get eight. You got eight. Give him an extra two. I see a lot of Alan Parr doing Gareth Southgate. In that they're managers. <laughs> they do the same job. They do the That's same. Well, yeah, it was. It was okay, an eight-year contract. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good stuff though. Um, if well, Southgate ends up at Ado Ten Hag or whatever they're called, I'll be amazed. He he just loves it. Southgate. He's going to end up. He, he like. There's more chance of him ending up as like the the marketing director for M&S at Croydon. Like, there's more chance there. <laughs> I think. Good player. Yeah. Alan Pardew is currently technical director at CSKA Sophia. That's that's because he that's because he was trying to pull her. Um. Oh, God. So let's oh, talk. Let's quickly talk about um Denmark versus the Czech Republic because obviously Denmark are going to be England's opponents. Um, starting with the Czechs, what did you make of the Czechs here? Did you check them out as they checked out of the tournament? Go on. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, oh dear. Good grief. Yeah, I mean, we were talking uh, before we started recording about Schick uh, and whether he was worth, what was it, 26.5 million that yeah. Labour Kinsman paid? Yeah. I have a feeling there's going to be some bids for that guy. I think he's a, he's a good player. He, he looks a real talent to me. To uh, as far as the rest of the Czech teams go, they are what they are. They, they're. They gave themselves too much of a hole to dig out of. They came out really fighting after half time, which I did enjoy. Mm. Um, but it, it wasn't quite enough. They, they couldn't get the ball in the back of the net again to force extra time and penalties. No. But what do you make of their tournament as a whole, realistically? Because to me, I, I look at I look success. quarterfinals and I think that's a big, quite a big success for them. Yeah, I, I don't know what they think back home in the Czech Republic, but I'd say that's a pretty good tournament. You look at their their lineup, and then I mean, there's not a lot of players you'd even recognise the names of. Yeah, I'm sure Dave would, but I, but when I'm looking at <laughs> it, I, I'm struggling. Obviously, you have got Sue Fallon, Sue Czech, and mate. Maybe Schick will go to West Ham. It does seem like a West Ham sort of. Bar. Oh, it's so West Ham. Well, is yeah, he playing in the Turkish league? <laughs> Not at the moment, but maybe he has at some point. Yeah, because uh, the, the thing is with West Ham, it's always like, oh, he's a top scorer. He's been the top scorer for like Besiktas or something. And you're like, okay, West Ham. Okay. Um, I mean, fair enough to them. The real thing here is Denmark, because Denmark, obviously the neutral's favourite. Dave, how worried are you about Denmark from an England perspective? Um, I... I think attacking, they're, they're really good. They're just exciting to watch. Um, I am quite worried, really, because they just are happy to run at teams. Um, and they're quite quick going forward as well. The way they get the ball up the pitch, it's basically they get the ball, they always have someone out wide up the pitch. So it's always men getting forward quickly as well. Damsgaard. He's rapid going forward. I quite like Damsgaard. Yeah, he's a good player. They um, 
Yeah, they worry me in that that sense because I mean, obviously, yeah, we played Germany and everyone knows they have some quick players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We haven't really played a team yet that is looking to get the ball forward as quickly and as efficiently as Denmark. And Denmark just they just want to attack, attack, attack. And I think I think that's a bit of a worry. But I mean, at the same time, if we can sort of restrict them in doing that, I I don't really think their defence is like amazing. Whoa, whoa! Apart from Christiansen. Yeah, the AC. Come on. I mean, if they win the thing, well, do we put him forward for Ballon d'Or? That's double European Championship. Him versus Georgina. Well, well, if if England win, money mace. Money mace. Let me tell you, if if England win the Euros, I'm gonna come on here and I'm gonna be so unbearable. But it's going to be mainly because I'm going to be putting forward that Mason Mount's already surpassed Gerard. Hey, well, I can get on board with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, Mike, what, impre- what impresses you most about this Danish team? Uh, I can't find a weak point. That's basically what... Yeah. That, that's what impresses me the most. You, they're just solid everywhere, aren't they? Yeah. They're just decent at all positions. They've got a decent back line. They're good. They look good going forward, and this has been without um, Paulson at the top. Dolberg's obviously oh. come in while he's been injured and played really well. We know about Hoiberg, Thomas Delaney as well. Looks like quite a good player. Mm-hmm. Mentioned Damsgaard. Yeah, I, that's that's what I think about Denmark. They're just solid all over the pitch, and I think that's a, that's dangerous because yeah. they're not going to concede many. They're probably going to find a way to put the ball in the net, even though England haven't conceded yet. I think this is a really tough fixture, especially. Given I think it's that, really tough, especially given everything that surrounds it. Obviously, with the yes. and stuff and they, all of that. Whether that's still there, I think that can only have brought them together. To be honest, I think yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I did want to quickly touch on sort of like the media coverage of them, Dave, because I think it was Mika Richards who said he hadn't seen. A togetherness like this in with the Danish team since the 1865 AD with the great heathen army. But, <laughs> but I'm just going to pause. Imagine Mika Richards saying that. Yeah, oh, Mika Richards said that. My word. If any pundits. Well, I, I, I think I got that date wrong. Um, but I think I'm not so. Well, I don't think anyone's shouting no, no, their yeah, the headphones like, saying, like, oh, it's 1867 18, or whatever. 1878, the <laughs> heat. Um, but I think so much of like the BBC, particular, like their, well, it, what was it, ITV, whoever was doing this game was like, oh, they've got such a such a togetherness about them. Oh, they're, they're working together so. And I was just sat there thinking, are they not just a really good team? Yeah. Is this not a bit yeah, insulting? I think they're just a good team, yeah. Be quite a shock for. Well, I was I was saying that about their defence because I'm hoping we find some weakness in this team. I don't really. I mean, Mailer might have got injured yesterday, and, and that could be a bit of a bonus because he's looked fantastic. That out of outside the boot assist yeah. yesterday. Oh, if you haven't seen word. it, please do, please do. Yeah, that. I think McCoy was beside himself, and I think everyone else was. What what an assist. Mm-hmm. Very good. Good performance, good team. My favourite um, with that was, sorry, just quickly, Martin no. Tyler asking Ali McCoy's live on air. He's like, 
Is that is that a hard skill to do, Ali? <laughs> and Ali McCoy is like, yeah, Martin of course Tyler? it's hard. Yeah. Was, was, He's it like, it was Clive. Was it Clive Tilsley? Oh, yeah. Dear. How could you forget that? Oh, dear. Oh, God. Oh, my Martin, God. Martin. You can call him Sam Matterface for the rest. Martin Tyler yeah, isn't fit to lace Clive Tilsley's boots. No, I'm, I'm upset on myself getting that one. The on. best thing about... The best thing about Clive Tilsley on comms is where someone turns to him and goes, "Not for me, Clive." Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, not for me either, Clive. I'm just sat there in my living room chuntering along. Um, no, tough game for the tough game for uh, the Blue Harbour boys coming up, but hopefully they can get things done. By the way, that's uh, that's the name of Clive Tilsley's book, "Not for Me, Clive." Is it really? Oh, oh fantastic. What, a, what, an what a book from Martin oh, Tyler. What a ch- <laughs> Kick him out of the call. That is shocking. That is shocking. Um, let's talk Switzerland, Spain. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, the Spanish found this hard, didn't they? Good yep. Lord. This is a tough one to take for the Swiss. This. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, I mean... Spain had 28 shots, but Which, it never never felt like they were particularly great. No, I mean, you talk about game state, England scoring early and Denmark scoring early, but in this game, the red card was obviously the the turning turning point. Really, it was pretty even. Swiss maybe even coming on a bit stronger after they just equalised, but once that red card goes, obviously it's it's back to the wall. Try and get to penalties, pretty much. Yeah. And they they managed it, like you say, 28 shots. But I think I, I'd like to know what the number was before that red card. I'm, I don't think we'll be able to work that out. But yeah, I mean, they still couldn't couldn't break through despite all those shots, all the all of the ball. It's a little bit worrying for Spain. I mean, it is almost like the pre. I know on the last podcast we talked about how they'd scored an absolute ton of goals and sort of thrown away this tag that they had pre-tournament. People were worrying where the goal's going to come from. But Dave, perhaps that was a case of us getting carried away with two results because this and the, and the Sweden game in particular showed that Spain can be on occasion a bit toothless. Yeah. they. God, Moreno missed some chances in this one. Good God. They just don't seem... It's like they have loads of shots, but most of the shots aren't really of note, if that makes sense. Most of them don't seem like good chances. And then most of the time they are creating good chances. They're just missing absolute sitters, to be honest. It's very strange. It's worth saying that Somo in the Swiss goal had a really good game. Again, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, but but there was a couple of Moreno misses where I was like, no way is he. He missed those, basically. You, you are right when you say that they should have done better with some of the chances they had. And, and even then, they didn't make that many. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess you get the result in the end, but it's not not convincing, is it, the Spanish still? Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> the thing is with the Swiss is it was a good performance again from them, realistically, right up until they got up to take the penalties. And then they just... Oh, those penalties, Mike. Deary me. <laughs> it was a horror shootout, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it was. It was bad. Well, neither team could stick stick him in the goal, but Akanji 
taking a little stutter step was just horror. I, I never understand why people don't just blast it if they're not sure. Well, I mean, to be fair to them, they the penalties they took against um, France were exceptional. But Yeah, that's true. Even Akanji took a good one in that shootout. But... I actually, I actually felt sorry for Switzerland in this shootout because... If you know, obviously the keepers and everyone does their homework before about where they think players are going to go. I would be uh-huh. very interested for how much work Soma had to do to try and work out where these Spanish players were going. Whereas the Spanish camp could literally watch them from a penalty shootout a couple of days ago, and I think you could tell with some of the Swiss players, especially Kanji, who's a prime example. I think he wanted to put it where he had in the previous penalty shootout, but he didn't want to in case. It was too obvious, so he sort of panicked and then ended up just fluffing his lines. I think they were feeling like if we go where we did the other day, that's where they're expecting us to go. And I think some of them just sort of overthought their penalties, to be honest. Mm. Whereas Spain didn't have that pressure. They no. didn't have that pressure. No, probably something. To, I know this is a different, a different Spanish squad, but comparing them. Comparing the players in the Spanish squad to the players in uh, the Switzerland squad, it's probably an element of being there, done it before. Like so many of them have been in these high-pressure situations, many of them mm-hmm. have, many of them have taken penalties in high-stress situations. So that's probably played into it as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Although the Spanish penalties weren't good either. No. To be fair. A no. Of well, to be honest, Mike, I haven't seen such a bad Spanish attack since 1586. So there you are. Like. <laughs> Um, it's just shocking and all around. I mean, Morata and Co being compared to the 1500s. Yeah, yeah. Spanish Armada, Mike. Bang bang. Um, Sir Francis Drake was playing uh, bowls on Plymouth Hoe, apparently. <laughs> fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> but not not great to be honest. This whole display from Spain. And when you consider it to the team they're going to be coming up against, um, Italy probably had one of their better performances of the tournament actually against Belgium in the fact that this was the highest quality game of the round, I thought. Yeah, 100%. The glamour tie. Yeah, the glamour tie. Let's start with Italy. um, And let's quickly talk about Spinozola, who's obviously out for the tournament after impressing. Massive blow for their hopes, isn't it? Brez. Yeah, that that is a huge miss because he's been just dynamite down there, down their left hand side when Insigne before this game hadn't necessarily shown some of his best stuff. Um, who's going to come in for that? Emerson. Emerson. Oh. <laughs> Emerson. Uh, I'm pretty sure. It is Emerson. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, in that case, it is a big miss. Big, Massive big miss. Blow, isn't it? Massive blow. Yeah, I mean he's the he's been one of the highlights. It's particularly the teams left in of the tournament, I'd say. Spinazzola, everyone's been loving watching him down the left flank. Uh, that is a real shame, and he, yeah, Emerson can't replace what he can do. Unfortunately, no, no, he can't. He can't. Interesting in this one, Dave, that Italy, perhaps listeners to the In and Around podcast, heard that we weren't particularly convinced by Berardi and started Chiesa. Um, and he gave them a lot more impetus, didn't he? Yeah, um, I thought I thought he played pretty well. Um, 
For Italy, to be honest, were, like you say, in terms of the quality, they were still able to, to get forward a lot and show their sort of strengths rather than, like, as in Italy didn't seem to approach this game any differently to the other games that they've played this tournament. And I think that's a sign of a, a good team that they can basically just go out and play how they want to rather than worrying about how they think, how people might think they should play against other teams. But yeah, I thought, I thought all of them were great, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I know again, well, you've asked me one question. I've given you like a nine sided okay. answer, but That's you, okay. know, you know, it's coming now. I'm going to ask you a second one, Dave. What did you oh, make God. of Martin Keown, who's older than Chiellini and played his career before Chiellini? Um, what did you make of him calling Chiellini the grandfather of defending? Uh, I did, did sort of question that one, really. Um, Me too, Dave. I mean, if it was like a comment about someone, oh, I don't know, like Baresi, for example, yeah, maybe. But Chiellini's, I don't think defending is exactly an art that only started in like the early 2000s. So I don't know what Keown was doing. Um, so maybe he'd seen someone call it call him that somewhere and thought it'd be cool but I don't really know what he was doing to be honest no but joking apart Brez this is Benucci and Chiellini this is exactly the type of game that they loved they relished playing against Lukaku didn't they yeah uh, we were obviously waiting for this matchup I think we mentioned it on the last podcast uh, Lukaku versus Benucci and Chiellini the Lukaku got his goal from the penalty spot but I think really Chiellini and Benucci won won the day for the most part. I love watching them defend. They, I mean, I think it was earlier in the tournament where Chiellini or Bonucci literally celebrated like a block as if they'd just scored. And it was, it was sensational. Absolutely. I, I love seeing things like that because that's what, that's what defending should, should mean to every defender. And yeah. He does. But to actually see it from those two when they make a block or an interception or whatever it is, it's class. Um, but yeah, it, Lukaku did have a couple of chances, didn't he? The one, it was the one that came across to him at the far post, which he kind of scuffed his line. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a header that he might have got on the end, but couldn't quite. So on another day, it, it could have been different. But yeah, I mean, watching those two defenders yeah. is, is a joy. It really is. It really is a case of just small margins really isn't it because there was that other one where it was flicking around after Chadley did it and he almost heads it in and then there's another one at the back post so it is it is close moving on to Belgium obviously that's you got a feeling looking at the squad now defense is old as we said um you saw Nasser Chadley for like all of five seconds before he went up injured <laughs> Mertens is 34 um, Hazard, obviously, despite probably only been in his early 30s, has not completed 90 minutes for two years, basically. Um, yeah. That feels like the end for the golden generation, or am I being a bit harsh? No, I think you're right, Well, I think they missed the boat. Mm-hmm. I think this was their last tournament where this crop of players really could have been anywhere near the peak of their powers as a collective. I mean, Vermaelen at the next World Cup will be be turning 36 or well, turning 37 if uh, during that tournament, I think. You know, so, he'll be in the squad still. Yeah, oh, Vertonghen will be 35, Aldo Araud 33. The thing is with Aldo Araud is 
good player, but I felt even towards his last couple of years at Tottenham, he'd sort of dropped off a little bit. Um, so there's a few, a few like that. And then Hazard, yeah, as much as a great player, it's clear that things haven't really been going right for him. And I'd be surprised if he can ever get near his absolute peak again after this. Um, and it's more the fact that when you look at the players that are going to replace those in the squad that, that we've named, it's just their replacements are nowhere near that, that level, are they? Even Axel Witzel, I mean, who's going to replace Witzel out of those Yeah, no one can do what he those does. Players? No. On a positive note for them, Jeremy Doku looks a bit of a... Yeah, player. he's sick. He's he does, sick. he looks good. He looks good. Um, I think the thing is, for the looking at Belgium's golden generation is, obviously, everyone's rushing to call it a failure. So, obviously, they came third... At the the last World Cup, but you look at their team and you're like, yeah, it's a golden generation, but it's not a golden generation in the same way that I Brazil don't know, 2002, Brazil 2002, or Spain 98, or or that, or even the Germans of 2014. Yes, it's not yeah. quite that, and it's, it's hard to win international tournaments. It's bloody it's, hard. It's not yeah. easy to win. An yeah, you also hardly get any shots at them. Yeah, yeah, but that's. I mean, that's. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Because you if look you at, have, you look if at you Belgium. Have one... Sorry, well, I was just. No, it's off. just. It's just the thing for me is you look at them and you say it's a golden generation, but we started calling this a golden generation because we were looking at players like Benteke, Origi, and Batshuayi, players like that who we thought were going to be way better than they've actually ended up being, and they sort of like the generation wasn't really a generation, like because Company and Dembele. Yeah. unbelievable players were done before were realistically done before some of these other players like Hazard and Lukaku and De Bruyne were hitting really their prime the like mm-hmm. 2018 at that World Cup was probably their best chance well maybe 2016 where they should have beat Wales but it feels a bit harsh to label it a failure I think when you consider how far Belgium as a footballing nation has come I think it's it's not really a failure. It's just more a shame they don't have anything to show for it in terms of like trophies. But it's yeah, it's it's mental to think that like the players they had before were obviously nowhere near this level. That I don't have the actual rankings, but I mean Belgium must have shot up the rankings even so far. This for them is. Yeah, but this is the They've thing. They've been number one for three years. And like, and like Will says, yes, it's their golden generation, but it's not a golden generation that sets them automatically as it's been the best team in Europe even uh, and the world. So it's a shame for them because Belgians must be thinking, you know, when are we going to get a crop of players like this again? But at the same time, I think they can be proud of how much they did manage to achieve and how you know, Belgium's profile, footballing profile as a whole, is just massively inflated since, you know, before this this current crop, I would say. Mm-hmm. Does Martinez have to go? Well, he wants to return to club life, I think, and his yeah. contract's almost up, so I think he will it's up go. At, it's up at the end of this year, isn't it? Or I, I th- like that. I, well, he might stick around for the World Cup in 2021. Because it, it, every, 2022. 2022. 2022. If they I let keep, him. Well, I keep thinking that I keep thinking because the World Cup is so close. I think a lot of international management will remain the same. A yeah, lot of international sector. Yeah. yeah, just because there's a lot. 
you can't. Yeah, you're asking you're asking a lot for a guy to come in and have maybe a couple of friendlies or whatever a couple of times with the squad to then go into a tournament with any real plan that he might be able to sort of formulate with them. So yeah, like you say, well, I think it is probably wise for them to try and keep the managers the same as long as the managers and you know for as as long as they don't turn around and be like, yeah, I don't want to do this job anymore. Yeah. I did. I did enjoy. It. I think it was it you, Will, that said that <laughs> that they used their golden generation up with Roberto Martinez in charge. Yeah. Yeah. You go from Mark Wilmot to Wilmot, by the way. They're both crap. Like, yeah, but Wilmot was at least like a Belgian manager, like one of their best players. Great. Yeah, but at least you, at least you could say like no, you know. Well, no, right. This is imagine being Eden Hazard. Imagine being a, a great player, turning around and seeing Roberto Martinez on the side and Sean Maloney stood next to him. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying that I won't take Wilmot slander. You can yeah. slate him as much as you want. Wilmot was, by all accounts, a Belgian legend. You can't. Yeah, I'm sure he was. You know, it doesn't make doesn't make him a great manager. No, I'd, I guess not. But also, at least quote Roy Keane, just because you had a good career doesn't make you a good player. Right, fine. Yeah. Look, Mark yeah. Wilmots, if you ever listen to this, uh, yeah, I did, did yeah, try and back Mark you up. Wilmots, if you listen to this, we don't want you. <laughs> there we go. Right. Well, I'm not quite finished now because I've got a second one. Imagine like being, imagine being Thierry Henry yeah. and taking orders from Roberto Martinez. Or having coaching insights from Sean Maloney. God almighty. I mean, Sean Maloney scored what a couple a, of good goals. What but. a disgrace that they gave I the gold really generation that, to Roberto Martinez. <sighs> He's just shy. That's what, that's what Ben Watson does for a manager's I, legacy. I look, forward to, I look forward to seeing Martinez back at Everton pretty soon. It'd be great. If that happens, that will be one of the funniest things, other than them hiring Rafa Benito. Oh, and Ancelotti working out. Work, working out. Working out. Walking. Um, going back to the Euros for a second and looking ahead to the next round. Um, obviously, Italy, Spain, um, locking horns for the first time since 1494. Um, <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> yeah. That that one I looked up. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm loving them. Ahead of the ahead of that, what do you what do you think is the likely outcome of that one. Who do you reckon will be heading through to the final? Because it's a tough game without Spinozola giving you I mean, that change of I've, system, really. I think it's tough, but I, I still back the Italians, personally. Uh-huh. Yeah, I tend to fall on that side, partly because I have them in our sweepstake, and partly because <laughs> I do I do think overall they are they are the better team. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Spinazzola is a huge miss, and you're right. Maybe you'd have to change your system because of that and play a different way because Emerson certainly doesn't have the same qualities that Spinazzola has down that front. Although he is a European champion. That's true. We find out a lot every week. Soon they they might both be. Oh, double European champions for Emerson, yeah. 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 Let's start the Ballon d'Or for Emerson. Let's start, start talking about that. Yeah, he's not six one, but he is a left back. Um, moving on. Quick talk about Premier League news, actually, because I just want 
I just want to ask you, like, what you all make of Patrick Vieira becoming the Crystal Palace manager? Yeah, I'm a bit, um, <laughs> a bit concerned. Lost. I'm concerned. With some of these, with some of these because, hirings. Because, right, so even from Vieira's perspective, right, he knows that he was nowhere near their first choice of this job. Like, not even close. They, they nearly had Nuno... Nini had uh, Lucien Favre as well, and they were linked with loads of other coaches. Vieira literally was not toted until it was pretty much found out that you know they were going to give him the job. It could be it could be one of those where it could work out really well, but I thought they would have learned their lesson with Deboa and not giving someone that's not really an experienced manager like a pretty hefty contract. To be fair to Frank de Boer, he had way more experience when he rocked up at Crystal Palace. He'd got titles under his belt. Well, true. Viara, Viara's done an okay job at, what was it, New York City. And then nice had a too. couple of a couple of uh, seasons at nice. at nice where he came fifth and seventh, but then started to go wrong. So he got sacked. But I don't think that's massively... I don't think that's really enough for Palace to show this much faith, but like I say, it could be wrong. Um, and he could he could, he could be really good, but it's just a little concerning that... Like, Vieira must know he was, like, not even talked about till like, four managers or whoever either turned the job down or they, they couldn't get it through the window. So, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a bit... Feels yeah, I did want yeah, to ask true, you what you true, make of appointment. What do you make of it? Interesting. He's about the only one left. Um, you, it's interesting. I spoke to every expects. other manager on the planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because my thing, job. my thing with Nuno at Wolves is that, uh, sorry, at Spurs, is that at like Wolves, him. he was sort of allowed to do whatever he wanted because he got them up and made them into a, a decent team. I'm interested to see what he's like going into a scenario where, you know, I know we don't really agree that Tottenham should hold themselves so high, but at the end of the day, Tottenham do expect a lot. I'm interested to see what he does. That's the thing. He doesn't play good football, no. That's the key thing about this appointment, is that I think Nuno Nuno plays better football than our recency bias allows. I think the fact that Jimenez being so key to the way that Wolves attacked sort of colours the fact that the stodgy football we saw over the last year was made worse. I, I agree with you, though. I don't think it's particularly free-flowing. But then again, a lot of the managers Tottenham are looking at, particularly when they started to become a bit more attracted to names like Conte, like Conte plays can play attractive football. He could play ruthless, quick effective football we saw him do that at Chelsea but you would never describe it as free-flowing so yeah but I think Spurs fans are quite excited about the idea that Conte was going to come to Spurs yeah, because he might actually win something well exactly but with Nuno I don't think there's much of a prospect of that or good football in particular no it, it just the, the problem with the Spurs job is who's going to take it while Kane might be leaving <laughs> Yeah, well, you got so, your answer. Well, yeah, Nuno, I guess. And Benitez at Everton, well, this yeah. is just another recipe for disaster. R- Rafa Benitez keeps getting jobs at places where he's insulted the fans. <laughs> yeah. And I do not get it. And let me tell you, Everton Very fans, nice. 
just chant he's a fat Spanish waiter, make it so unbelievably toxic that you can't get anything else done and he'll be out there by the end of the season because that's what we did and it worked. It's been a bizarre week in the Premier League. I mean, it really it's is. It's been strange. Yeah. I think it's two weeks till it's back. Although two weeks till they're back in training or something. Well, well this is also my thing quickly with... This is also my thing with Vieira as well. He's got a lot to do off the pitch. <laughs> Palace have a huge overhaul. They have a huge overhaul. No, no, I know. They have a massive overhaul. And is a manager like Vieira really... Can you really put that sort of pressure on him? I'd, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. But it is one of those that does have a few alarm bells. I would love to be in some of those training sessions with Patrick Vieira where he's just like looking at Luca James Mill. McCarthy and just, just like, being like, God, you're shit. <laughs> he's gone. For, he's like, he's like, I used to play with Henri and now I'm watching Christian Benteke up front. Oh, Christian Benteke, who only played well to get a new contract. We know he's going back to two or three goals a season. We know we know who you are, Christian. We like that, though. We respect that. We there's a In the NBA, there's... Well, in the NBA, there's something like that as well. They call it contract. They call it like contract year player because it increases scoring average by like five points, yeah. which you love to see, to be honest, because then they get huge contracts. Because yeah, get, get yourself paid, people. Right, yeah, yeah, get it. that money. Get that money. Um, yeah. Anyway, quicker uh, off to the Premier League. Um, Mike, any updates on Joel Linton? Is he just enjoying Cancun? Yeah, I believe. I'm hoping he's having a nice sunny holiday so he'll be back fresh, ready back for the Newcastle fresh. weather. He'll be fit. Whether or not he'll be firing, we don't know. Um, Mike, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Uh, at Mike Breslin on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and Dave, if the people want to follow you to find out more about how you might have uh, bumped a car in Results World, where can they do that? Well, it did not happen, Will, but it's at NASCAR. At NASCAR, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, they clean up the track after they've they've bumped into some. Oh, at World Hunt Seventeen, but please don't please don't follow us at In and Around Pod on all the socials, including Pinterest. Um, if you want to read our thoughts, you can go to inaroundmedia.com. Uh, yeah. Until next time, um, bring it home, Gareth. How about that, Dave? How about that, Blue Harbour boys? I'm here for it.